Hey everyone, today we talk about psychological safety, what it is and what happens when it's not there. And my guest is super passionate about this subject and taught me it's one of the key components in high-performing teams. Get the click card. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Enjoy. Beyond Coding. Welcome to Beyond Coding, a dive into the world of successful people in IT. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. Here's your host, Patrick Akil. Hey, Gita. Thanks for joining us. Remote. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We've done this, I think, a few weeks back, uh, but that's going to go into the the bin of lost episodes, I guess, because the audio messed up. So I'm really happy well, you uh, you joined us to do this again. Uh, uh, no worries. It's like all software. Stuff messes up and then we do a repeat and see if we can do it better the second time. Yeah, and I, I think we can because uh, I'm actually looking to you and you have a, a microphone set up and it looks like you're actually here. Which, uh, it does. It looks very nice. I like this. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. I'll, uh, I'll post a picture on Twitter somewhere later on today. Uh, but I invited you on to talk about psychological safety. Uh, and one of the first questions that popped into my mind is why are you kind of passionate about this subject in the first place? And then we'll go into kind of what it is. Yeah, so I think I'm passionate about it because I've experienced so many times to not feel safe, to mm -hmm. not um, feel I could express myself neither as a person, but also with the opinions I had. Yeah. And I, when I first learned about this in 2017, I realized that I spent a big part of my career, but also like attending things, helping other people feel safe enough to speak up and, and be who they are. Yeah. So it kind of fit right into my values and the things I was already working with. Yeah. Um, and then when I discovered it, uh, that it was a thing and it wasn't just something I kind of made up. Um, but it was actually an important thing and even more important than I thought, significant for a lot of our work as well. I just became more and more interested in this and starting exploring um, it, working with it and um, yeah, recently writing a little bit about it as well. Nice. I think that's a, a very powerful moment when you find kind of a term or a word that kind of describes where your values lie and what you've already been doing in that yeah. way. Kind of forms some attachment, I can, I can imagine. So can you explain to our audience kind of what psychological safety is in the first place? So psychological safety is something internal. It is a feeling we have where we are not afraid to um, express ourselves, have opinions, speak up. Yeah. And, and when I say afraid, I mean as afraid of being punished. Mm. And punished can be anything from being fired, being made fun of, um, people thinking that we are stupid, uh, so losing our status. Yeah. So basically psychological safety is about not having that fear, knowing that even if I say something that is wrong now, people are not going to make fun of me. Yeah. Um, they are actually going to listen to me. And if it's something wrong, they're going to help me uh, learn the right thing. If it's something we disagree on, we can have a discussion without me losing either my status or my job. Yeah. I think if I've been in such a scenario where I'm like, man, right now is, is not the good time to speak up. Uh, and that yeah. probably is because the psychological safety was not there either in that moment uh, or just within the environment. Uh, so yeah. I can definitely relate to that. But how do you create such an environment in which there is kind of that 
psychological safety to speak up your mind, speak about your opinions, feel safe to do so, even though they might be wrong, uh, just to challenge things, I guess. I think the first thing we need to do is to talk about it and talk mm-hmm. about that it's a thing. Yeah. Um, that it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, I see companies going like, like one of the things I really don't like is when it says zero fault culture. Yeah. Because we all make mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. And the idea behind psychological safety and some of the stuff that Amy Edmondson writes about is that there are mistakes that are preventable. Mm. Like in code, it could be that we have a testing framework, we run some automatic testing and we catch some stuff. Yeah. Or it can be that when we produce medical things, we have a checklist, we do research in a specific way. So there are mistakes we can avoid by testing things. Yeah. But then there are also mistakes and risks that we need to take to be able to grow and learn as technical people and as, as humans, where sometimes you take one direction, you think this is going to be the solution, and then you find out it's not. Yeah. And the idea is to have an environment where we can do that. And one of the things is that it's especially important when we have knowledge um, workers. So people who are basically working with their brain. And even though a lot of what we feel like we're doing is typing or, or stuff like that, it's actually our brains working. It's We are not, our craft is not done with our hands. It's done with our brains. Yeah. And in this case, because we need kind of the, the front part of our brains, we need to feel safe. So framing this in a way of learning, this is something we are trying out. This is something where we're trying to find the best solution. This is something we are learning. That is part of what can help. Uh, What is also very important is that the leaders, whether it is official managers or leaders by uh, maybe being more senior or speaking up or whatever, that they are good role models that we actually talk about when we make mistakes. That, and that we do it in a way that is helpful. So not saying, oh, I was so stupid, I did this. Because if we do that, at, at the same time, we are saying it's stupid to make mistakes. Yeah. But saying, hey, I made this mistake yesterday and I really struggled with it. Mm. Um, can you help me fix it, for instance? Or asking for help. So showing that as a leader, whether it's formal or not, that you are fallible. You make mistakes and you don't know everything. Yeah. And that is okay. Um, so a lot of the senior engineers I've been working with, for instance, are really good at this. So they will ask questions as soon as they don't know. Mm. Um, because first of all, they will get help. Second of all, they will show people who haven't been in the industry for so long that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. So having these discussions and then starting to show that vulnerability is really part of creating that safety. Um, but it's also really hard because a lot of it will depend on the environment we're in and some of it will be, depend on experiences that we had earlier. Yeah. Uh, so some of us will have triggers where even though looking from the outside, it's perfectly safe and you will not be punished, mm. you may feel that you would. Like if you did a talk in public once and it was a big failure and people made fun of you, you are not going to feel safe stepping on stage unless you work with it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to be aware of this is that we can't just set, oh, these are the 10 rules. And if we just fulfill this, we have a safe environment. Yeah. 
it is something that we actively need to work with. It's something we actively need to discuss to ensure that we are helping people the right way. Yeah, and it's it's very much based on the individual in that case, right? What can be safe for yeah. me, uh, based on my history, doesn't necessarily need to be safe for someone else. And I really like no. that you said uh, management or even leaders, the leaders that we have within our environments, uh, they should kind of uphold that safety, right? And probably speak out when they see uh, some behavior that's unwanted or is not creating that safe space. Uh, and be those role models that we want, basically, in, in which it, is okay to make mistakes, right? That's how we learn. That's how we can experiment. Yeah. That's how we can take risks uh, and also reap the benefits of that. Because without the mistakes, then you're not going to take any risks and you're probably going to stagnate to a degree. Yeah, and I mean, we are evolving so fast. The companies are evolving. Are, the things we work with are evolving. I mean, right now, you and I are sitting in separate countries yeah. having a podcast. <laughs> Yeah. And even though it was possible two years ago, we wouldn't have the quality that we have now. But no one in their right mind would have said two and a half years ago, oh yeah, and almost everyone's going to be working from home now, so we need electronics to work. Yeah. No, things happen and we need to kind of build some resilience and be prepared for this. And this means that we need all the ideas that we can get. We need people to take risks. And of course, not taking like, huge risk so that everything just falls apart yeah. but taking those small risks where we can do experimentation and learn things yeah i really think um, of scenarios of my past but i wonder if there was a safe space right i think there is based on my history and kind of based on my experience but how can you figure out if the environment you're in has that safety um so the only um thing i found that is fairly reliable hmm. is um, actually asking questions. Yeah. So Amy Edmondson has created a survey that has seven questions that you ask people anonymously. Yeah. And that gives a good indication of the safety. The first time I was using this, we were really surprised because while people in, the, in that team or that department had decided for us to work on it, we voted for what is the most what's the most important thing to work on within the people area? Yeah. And we talked about psychological safety. So we, we still kind of expected that most people would be fairly safe. And when we read the results, one of the things we realized was that one in seven hmm. had said yes to, there is someone in my team who deliberately undermines me. Really? And we were like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> this is not good. Um, and if you look at the outside, you can't see this. And that's one of the hard things about this. Yeah. Um, when I was brought in to work with um, SVTI, which is the National Television's IT department, one of the things that the department lead Sarah said to me is, we think we have psychological safety, mm. but we also know that if we don't, people are not going to tell us because they're not going to feel safe to do so. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the hard part about this. Um so I think the first thing we need to do is kind of start addressing these things and then using the survey and maybe having a lot of conversations because safety is also something that's not necessarily comfortable. Yeah. I like to talk about feeling safe enough to be uncomfortable mm. because if you make a mistake, that's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be, let's say you do something that takes all of uh, CBS systems down. Yeah, That's not going to be comfortable, but it needs to be safe to have that discussion about it, figure out what can we learn from this? How can we move on? Yeah. How can we fix this? 
Because if it's not safe, what we do is we hide our mistakes. Hmm. And um, actually, when when Amy Edmondson was starting, had started to work on this, one of the things she realized was that departments in a hospital, or I don't know what they're called in a hospital, um, uh, different areas in the hospital, the ones that looked like they had the best working environment also had the most medical mistakes. Okay. And the ones that had the worst working environment had the least mistakes. Okay. So that, did, that didn't make sense. So they yeah. went in, uh, she had a research assistant come in and repeat some of the experiments. And what they found out was that where they had the bad working environment, they were hiding their mistakes. Yeah. Because they were afraid to be yelled at or fired Whereas in the good working environments, they reported the mistakes so they could learn from them. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really hard to see from the outside how this is. And yes, it's not going to be comfortable. Like wh- whether you do something in an IT company or even worse, um, in medical, it, it can be even worse. Um, it's not going to be good to look at this. It's not going to be nice to to go in, but we need it to be safe because otherwise worse things will happen. Yeah. Um, we saw a sad example with um, Boeing where uh, there were a lot of problems with the planes. Mm. Uh, the, the big, what was it? 787, 767, something. Yeah, I forgot the number on number. the plane. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> where um, actually a lot of people knew about these problems. They mm. tried to raise some of them. People got fired or bullied to be quiet. Okay. And they didn't start looking into this properly until two planes fell down. Yeah. Like it wasn't until the second plane fell down. And the more they were digging into this, um, the more they realized that there were a lot of problems and there were a lot of bugs, both like mechanical bugs, but also software bugs. Yeah. And people did not speak up about this because they were told to be quiet. Yeah. If they were not fired. And this actually cost human life. Yeah. So psychological safety can also help. I'm not saying it always helps us um, save lives, but it does give us the platform for us to be able to raise the problems yeah. that that could save lives if we solve them. Yeah, I mean that speaks enormously about the environment those people were in in the in the yeah. Boeing example, right? If a plane crashes, there needs to be a lot that goes wrong, and then you're actually yeah. looking at a foundational issue. Uh, yeah. In which, as you say, people get fired when they speak up uh, or yeah. people get shushed because it's not okay to say when there is a mistake because no one makes mistakes. Uh, yeah. But that's not reality, right? Everyone makes mistakes. Um, but then it's super difficult to look at it from an outside in perspective, right? You need to be within that environment to actually see through the things that happen uh, and then probably speak up about it. Yeah, and sometimes you can see it. Like sometimes you can see it on remarks, um, like how people are talking to each other. Uh, like sometimes there is this, uh, we have a rough humor here. Yeah. And sometimes, yes, that is just because people have a rough humor. And I I mean, I do that with some of my friends. Where like we have this really black, sarcastic humor. Yeah. But in workplaces, for me, it's very often a warning sign where I will go in and see, is this actually people just making rude jokes at each other or is there actually something going on? Yeah. Um. What, what kind of language are we using? Is it derogative? Um, are we, for instance, like in, in my company, we have, we think 41 nationalities because we're not registering mm. where people come from, but about 40 nationalities among 200 people, which means awesome. that our language is English. Yeah. Um, and 
if you come into a team and everyone else speaks Swedish, for instance, then you don't know what's going on. And even though that's a small thing, that's also something that can make you feel not included and thereby not feeling safe to speak up because you don't want to be the one that is different. Yeah, the one that uh, is changing it, the shift in that team then. Yeah, and 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 that's something, so that also means you need to work very actively with this. If, if people are different, which we want, because the diversity helps us create better products, Yeah, you need to be extra aware of the safety aspect as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see how psychological safety can affect team performance, right? Just as diversity would. Uh, but do you know if there's been any studies uh, to back that up? Because to me, it's just a feeling right now. Yeah, and that's also what I had before 2017 when yeah. I started working with this. Um, so actually in 2014, uh, Google did a big project called Project Aristotle, mm. where they looked into what does it take to create a high-performing team. Because yeah. like if we know what it takes, then we can repeat this. Um, and the first things that they looked into were stuff like what is the level of education in the team? Yeah. How many senior engineers do we have? Stuff like that. And none of this was significant for high-performing teams. And then they started looking into other aspects. And what they found was that the most significant thing was to have high psychological safety. Okay. That was the most significant thing for uh, teams to be high-performing. And that was unexpected. Uh, and I think the good thing about this is that despite some of the problems that Google have, it's still a company that a lot of people look up to yeah. and want to do the same, which means that they kind of brought psychological safety on the table. Yeah. Um, there were four other things. Let me see if I can remember them. It was about having clear expectations and clear roles. Mm. It was about the team kind of taking responsibilities, meaning that if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. Yeah. And if something happens so you can't, you're going to inform the stakeholders. Mm. It was about uh, knowing that you contribute to the whole. Okay. That you actually, what you do actually matters. Yeah. And the last part, I think, was about believing in the stuff that you contribute to. Yeah. And if we have these things together with safety, that's when we can create the high-performing teams. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really want to achieve that or be within a team uh, that has that high performance, right? As, a, as an engineer or as an engineer myself, yeah. I think that's kind of the holy grail um, of what you can do on a day-to-day. -day. Uh, even if you work towards a vision and you completely believe in it, you stand behind it, you want to contribute uh, have that ownership and even be accountable for the things that you do. Uh, yeah, that seems exactly. very much uh, what the goal should be, either within a company, within a team, within your environment, basically. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes when we look at it, we talk very much about being efficient. Yeah. Like, how can we do things as fast as possible? Mm -hmm. But we also want to create the right things. We want to create the things that people need that they yeah. might not know that they need yet. We want to create good stuff. And to be able to have that kind of high performance we need all the brains we can get exactly um and and to be able to get those brains like to contribute and get all these things that's when we need the safety yeah that's how you become effective in what you're doing basically also targeting the right things uh, as you should or trying things out failing along the way and then learning from that right because you're not going to nail it the first time no. i think very few do uh, so it's a learning journey basically yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of research going on now. Amy Edmondson is still researching in this topic. Yeah. Uh, had, a new, had a book come out a few years ago about uh, the learning organization. Yeah. Um, and is still doing research in this. As far as I, she's the 
okay, I would say she's the only mm. researcher that I'm aware of that really focuses on this area. Yeah. Um, plus, she's a very good communicator. Yeah. So, like, she has a TEDx talk, which is really good. She did an extra one during Corona. Like, what do we need to be extra aware of now that we're working from home? Yeah. Um, and there's stuff going on here and there. And how can we do this? How can we introduce this? Yeah. Um, my experience is that it's a lot of hard work. Sounds um, like it. It is, but it's yeah. worth it, both from a human perspective, but also, again, because the world is changing so fast, we need to learn fast. We need to try out things. And the only way to do this is by using all our brain power. Yeah. And by making other people also happy, right? Happy in their environment yeah. that they can thrive. It's not going to be as comfortable in, in some scenarios, right? Some scenarios should be uncomfortable. Uh, that's probably also how you learn from it. Uh, yeah. But at least you can open up the conversation, own up to it, uh, and then find a path forward, right? Because you always want to go forward. You don't want to be stuck within your ways in uh, in a certain degree. But you already- I mean, the first research that I found is actually from learning. It's from 1965 by yeah. uh, uh, Benes and I forgot the other researcher. Um, but where they were looking into what's the best learning environment. And it is if you are a little bit inc- uncomfortable, but safe. Yeah. So, so yeah, I really like that. And it also, so it means we need to go out of our comfort zone, but not so far out that we panic. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very essential to when we are working with these things is that, that that's the place we want to reach. Yeah. Um, and we need to be aware that we are all part of creating this. Because I think that's another thing that we sometimes forget. So when I do workshops on this, one of the things I ask people is, like, when did you feel safe? When did you feel unsafe? But also, what do you do to contribute to safety? Mm. Or what do you do that might uh, contribute to other people feeling unsafe? Yeah. Because even if we have really good intentions, we can still do stuff that makes other people feel very unsafe. Yeah. Um, for instance, I'm very um, open. I um, will speak my opinion. I'll do it in a kind way. But some people feel unsafe by getting um, clear feedback if yeah. it's negative. Or when I talk about deadlines um, with people to make sure that they have enough time to do these things, some people hear it as, can you do this as fast as possible? Yeah. Where what I'm really asking is, can you do, what is a realistic time for you to do this? Yeah. Um, but that's something I realized later that me talking about deadlines is something that pe- make people feel unsafe. Okay. And talking about accountability can make people feel very unsafe. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because we, accountability has been abused, in my opinion. So as I must talk about, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly accountability. Yeah. So the good accountability is where we have an agreement. You and I agreed that today or two, we meet, we have a, we have a podcast, um, and then we hold each other accountable. Like if you didn't show up or I didn't show up, we would go like, hey, you know what? We talked about this. Yeah. So we have an agreement about this accountability. Then we have the bad accountability, which is kind of like, oh, you have this role. Now you're accountable for this. And if mm. something happens, you get punished. Yeah. And the ugly that, yeah, you own it. It's yours. And we like we talk about it sometimes in Scrum where people talk about, oh, the product owner is the single ringable neck. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, we shouldn't have any ringable necks exactly. in software. It's not like we want to go around and kill people. Exactly. Um, and then we have the ugly, which is where you don't tell people that they have this accountability, but you punish them anyway if yeah. they don't live up to it. 
And I think the latter two, the, the forced accountability, where it's not about having an agreement, I think that's why people get so scared when we talk about accountability. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want to take that responsibility, that accountability, because we are afraid to be punished. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we need that. We need to be able to hold each other to account. We need to know that if somebody says they're going to do something, they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, but that also, again, requires work to, first of all, we need to set expectations. Yeah. And I mean, in our case, it's quite simple. Like, okay, we're going to do a podcast, so I'm not going to tell you, Patrick, <laughs> I expect you to be present in the podcast Yeah. so you can ask me questions. I'm not going to say that to you, but for instance, talking to people about like some of the people I'm a manager for, I will say, I expect you to make mistakes. Yeah. Because if you are not making mistakes, either the work is too easy, mm -hmm. and that means we need to find something more challenging for you to do, yeah. or you're not feeling safe. And then we need to work with the safety of that. Yeah. But setting that clear expectations, and the same when we talk about accountability, that will allow the other person to say, oh, I want you to be accountable for these things. And you can say, you know what? no, that's not really what I had in mind. Um, yes, I'll be in the studio. I'll make sure to send the podcast out, but I won't be the one writing 10,000 blog posts about this, for exactly. instance, if that was an expectation. So, so having clear expectations and discussing that accountability can help people feel safe if you do it in the right way. But if you just talk about accountability, it can also make other people feel very, very nervous about these things. Yeah, And that means they're not going to speak up. I, I really can get behind that because I'm I'm kind of similar in that I can be very direct, right? I can ask hard questions with the best intention, uh, but the way you do it can make someone feel uncomfortable or unsafe, right? It's either going to yeah. be uh, both or it's going to be one or the other, basically. Yeah. But how did you come to that realization that you also have that within your communication that you can make people feel unsafe in that way? Well, so first there was actually someone who told me. Mm. Uh, which I think is why uh, feedback is so important. Yeah. Uh, so one of my, um, the people I was working with, uh, who was an agile coach who just started out, in one of our conversations, they told me, I don't dare speak up when you're in the room. Okay. Because you know so much. And what if I say something wrong? Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> because <laughs> I the want signal. them to speak up. No, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. I want them to to grow. And, and also in Agile and in many other things, there's not like one golden solution yeah. that uh, is right for everything. And even if there was, I want us to be able to have this discussion. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of when I realized it. And I think that realizing it with myself helped me see it with others. So um, when we started, I, I'm, I've been doing some workshops together with Morgan Ahlstrom. And one of the things... Um, we worked on was like showing how we make mistakes. Yeah. What are the things that we make other people do unsafe? Because some people don't think about that. Like um, a very senior developer doing a code review going, oh, I see you don't know this at all. You should just do this. Yeah. Even that, which is trying to help the person, can be making the, the young developer go like, okay, I don't know anything. I'm not going to speak up anymore. Yeah. Whereas if they went, oh, cool. I see that you, you started attacking this problem. Can I, can I just show you what I would have done to yeah. make it even more better, even better. And if you talk about it this way, it becomes that learning opportunity. 
Um, I think we we need to be aware also that if we have a power position, mm. like I said, like you said, you mentioned that. Do you like that? I said both manager and leader. Yeah. And in many cases, we have a power position. Like right now, I'm a manager. Mm which means that even though I am a, a very coaching and leading manager, um, I still have people who, where I have to go into a system and approve their paycheck every month. Yeah. So I have a power over them. Yeah, it's an innate if, hierarchy. It's a hierarchy. Yeah. If I am, I'm also one who speaks up. Mm. And by having the power of my voice, I also have a power because people listen to me. Yeah. By being a consultant, as I used to be, I am the expert from the outside. Yeah. Because I'm older, uh, so I'm almost 50, I am the second oldest person in the company. Yeah. I have some power in that um, because I have experience. Yeah. Until I get so old that people go like, oh, she's old, she doesn't know anything. Mm. Um, so we have a lot of power that we don't always think about. And um, being becoming more aware that we have this power and uh, that when we have power, you need to yield it nicely. Yeah. Um, I love to quote P.B. Longstocking where, from one of the books. It says, if you are very strong, you have to be very nice. Yeah. Which means that when you have this power, when people do listen to you, when you have the power of your voice or age or, or hierarchical, be aware of this, be aware of, how you are speaking, be aware of how you are treating people. Yeah. Because first of all, you are a role model, but second of all, you can make people feel safe or you can make people feel very unsafe. Exactly. It's still that with great power comes with great responsibility, right? But yes, it's, exactly. It's very interesting to me that the person that gave you that feedback, right? When you speak up in a, either a meeting or in a setting, um, I don't dare speak back or, or go against it but they did feel safe enough to give you that feedback so you could do something about it. That's yeah, so we was Yeah, we had a one-on-one, -on -one, but we were yeah. talking about this thing. Uh, and I was helping them uh, grow as an agile coach because yeah. they just started out. I've been doing it for a while. So what's more, we had a, um, a series of conversations about what helped me, what did I need to stop doing or start doing, yeah. what were trainings I attended, stuff like that. And, and we build our relationship in that. So yeah. in that setting, they felt perfectly safe to, to tell me these things. But as soon as we were among a bunch of people, yeah. uh, they would be afraid that people look like, oh, there's Gidis, he's the senior. There's this person. Ah, they just started. So probably what they are saying is wrong. Yeah. So, uh, and I think we have this fear. We want to, we want to be liked. We want to be yeah. heard. We want to know that people take us seriously and sometimes we're afraid to speak up because of that. Yeah, I think we want to be perfect to a certain degree, but I don't know where that comes from, right? If every time you do some, you make some mistake, you get punished for it, then you do want to be perfect, so you're going to pretend to be, right? But humans are not perfect. There's always going to be flaws in there. There is, but I think it's part of what we've been conditioned to do yeah. uh, very much. I think in the Western society, especially we praise people for what we do. Yeah. The first thing we ask people when we meet someone new, Oh, so what do you work with? Mm. Uh, or we go, um, Oh, you have a really nice voice uh, that works really well in podcast. Yeah. Uh, I like the way that you prepare before the workshop. So, or the podcast. So we talk about things, 
that you do all the time. Yeah. And because we get praised for things we do and not who we are, yeah. we seek to do those things and we keep going for the praise. Yeah. And that might build our self-confidence, but who we are and building that, that self-worth, we're not that good at that. But that also means that we think we're only worth something if we do something. Yeah, interesting. Um, so one of the things I say to people a lot is what you are is always okay. Yeah. What you do might not be. Exactly. So our behaviors, our words might not be okay, but who we are is always okay. Yeah, I, I love that, that there's a difference between who you are and what you do, right? You're not going to act the same way because you are who you are. Your actions can change based on the environment, yeah. the people, um, even how safe you feel. Uh, because yeah, either you're going to speak up or things. not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We can learn behaviors and sometimes, yes, we have reactions where something happens and we react instinctively. Yeah. But we can also learn to change our behaviors. We can learn to change our language so that we can help people in whatever that means. If that means creating a safe environment or um, it can also sometimes mean that if I say things in a specific way, uh, people are not going to listen to me. Yeah. Even though I say the right things, they're not going to hear it. Exactly. Um, I worked with a developer once who was always very negative. Mm. And that meant that no matter what they said, we did not hear the words. We heard nag, 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 nag. Yeah. So the good things that also came out, we didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, because it was always nagging. So, and that doesn't mean that he wasn't okay because he was okay. Yeah. But needed to change the way uh, they were speaking. Yeah. The way they're communicating. Yeah. And that's interesting. You triggered me earlier in the way that you were explaining how you can have power, right? Either innate hierarchy, it can even be your age, uh, the position you have, the title, the responsibilities, uh, and the accountability that comes with it. But for me then, the, purple, the, the people that are very early on in career, they don't usually have that. They don't come in with any sorts of power. They come from no. their educational journey, and then they come within, a, or they join an organization, uh, and they join the workforce, basically. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, I think they might be uh, experiencing a, a lack of psychological safety, uh, the most out of anyone maybe in that organization. By default of having no power, people that say, well, failure is either good or wrong. Um, and if the environment then is bad, uh, it's definitely a bad place to start in. It is. It's, it could be a bad place to start in. Yeah. But they also have the advantage that they're not supposed to know. Mm. Uh, when I worked with this the first time, one of the things that really surprised me and Morgan was that we had quite senior developers who were afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Because they felt like if I'm supposed to know this, so if I don't ask for help, or if I ask for help, people are going to know that I'm not as good as they think I am. Yeah. So I'm going to lose my status. Mm. So there can be advantages to being a beginner and being able to ask all those stupid questions. Yeah. Which are usually not stupid. They're actually really good questions that helps us trigger and challenge what we've been doing for a while. Yeah. Um, but I do think when people start in a company, whether it is coming directly from a university or be coming from a different organization, I think we that's when we start the working with the psychological safety that we need to help them understand that if we have a safe environment, yeah. that this is a place where it's okay to ask questions. This is a place 
where it's okay to do experiments and also talk to them about this is what we expect of you. Yeah. The first week is onboarding. We don't expect you to produce anything. Mm. Um, having clear expectations like that, uh, I think is quite essential. Yeah, it really helps them basically uh, yeah. tread the waters a bit lightly instead of just being yeah. thrown into the ocean of, uh, of the adult workspace. It's yeah. very interesting because personally, coming from university, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Right? So I joined operations quite broad, I thought. Uh, and I said to myself, I'm going to be a wild card, but in a good way. Right. I'm not going to say I don't, um, <clears throat> I know everything because I don't. Right. So I'm going to ask those kind of ignorant questions. They might not be ignorant to everyone, but that's how I felt. Right. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to ask those questions. Uh, if I get, get let go because of it, it's not an environment I want to be in in the first place. No. Right. If you do it in a good way and with intent, with the right intent, I think no harm can, can overcome you other than learning the environment you're in is not the right one for you. But that's also very confident to have that, that, you know, if this happens, it's not an environment for me. Yeah. Because I think the problem with that, with, I think that's great that you felt this way, but a yeah. lot of people will be like, if this happens, there's something wrong with me. Mm. We don't always consider that there's something wrong with the environment. Yeah. Uh, I saw someone write a blog post once about how psychological safety is only for mediocre developers yeah. because the good developers will just leave. Mm. But when you're caught in a place where it's not safe, that also tears down on your, on your confidence, which means that you can be the best developer in the world, but if somebody is tormenting you or whatever yeah. you call it in, making it very unsafe for you, you might actually think that, well, I'm just lucky I'm here. Yeah. At least I can feed my kids now. Maybe I, I you know, if I, if I do this, nobody's going to like me. I'm not going to get a job. I will yeah. have to leave my house. Um, whereas the reality is that that person could probably go out and get a job within a month. Yeah. It but really, they don't see that because they feel unsafe. It, it really feeds into kind of the imposter syndrome in, in that way, right? Where you are skilled enough uh, for your position and the responsibilities and the accountability that you have. Uh, but because the environment is not safe, you kind of doubt yourself and, and your self-confidence uh, kind of takes a hit or a few. Yeah, and, all, and the interesting part about imposter syndrome is it can be the safest environment and you can still have it. Yeah. Um, I read that um, up to 70% of the Western population will have imposter syndrome at some point in their life. Yeah. Some will have it all the time um, and like doubt themselves all the time. Some people will have it like it just pops up and go like, oh shit, what if, when, what if they found out um, yeah. that I'm not real? Like I get this, I do a lot of talks and still once in a while I get this, what if they found out that I'm not a real speaker? Yeah. Which is totally not logical because I am a real speaker. I gave tons of talks um, and I have it a little bit now that I'm a manager. I'm like, what happens if they find out I'm not a real manager? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any education in being a manager. Yeah. I haven't tried it before. I'm coaching people the way I did as an agile coach. Yeah. Um, what if they find out that I'm not really a manager? Mm. Um, and it's not logical, but I think a lot of us uh, suffer from this, even in the safest environments, actually. Yeah. And the weird part is, Right, you're always going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from that. So even if you're yeah. not a manager, you can still get there, right? 
Yeah. It's weird that you might not feel like you are a manager, but probably if you ask the people around you, they're going to be like, well, Git is the, the best manager I've had in a while, right? Because she creates this safe environment. We always have one-on-ones uh, where I can feel safe to speak up and she does the right things. At least I think so. Uh, so those yeah. conversations that you can have with other people uh, can really just boost your confidence right back up where it should be um, or where you want it to be, basically. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I did get good feedback and yeah. also good uh, negative feedback, so to say, uh, where people are like, I would like to see you more present in the organization and not just see you in our one-on-ones, yeah. which is awesome feedback and uh, makes me happy that people feel safe enough to tell me yeah. instead of just thinking it. Absolutely. Those are, to an individual, I think are essential, right? Those are valuable. Those are setting the expectations for yourself. Uh, and the other people have set them basically. Uh, yeah. And it's up to you to take action if you want to, uh, yeah. or basically manage the expectation of the other people and say, well, not now or or whatever, right? It can be yeah. A, B or C. Yeah, and I can't do that if they don't talk to me. Exactly, um, yeah. You already touched upon it and, and that's kind of a final question. I want to talk about the remote culture that we're in now, right? You mm, already yeah. said there's a lot of work involved in creating those safe environments where people can speak up uh, make mistakes, fail f- fail, and learn from them. Uh, but I think in a remote setting, it's even harder for an individual to either reach out and say, well, I, I think this is the way you're making me feel. Uh, I think they very much hold it, um, hold their cards closer now because they're also either in isolation, basically working remote. What can we do either as facilitators or, or even members in a team, right? Let's say me as an engineer, how can I make that, safe environment. We already touched upon talking about it, but I think it's harder now that we're remote. It is. And also, so I was just in a workshop with my friend about communication. Yeah. And um, so much of our communication is intonation or body language. Yeah. And we are removing those two when we, for instance, uh, discuss stuff in a chat on Slack or whatever tool we use. Yeah. So basically, people are more prone to misunderstanding each other. So we need to be a lot more aware of this. We need to be a lot clearer in our expectations. We need to maybe read uh, read it an extra time before we um, we send this message. Yeah. And I think as facilitators, one of the things we can do, for instance, is if we have a meeting, mm. um, some people go like, when we have a meeting, I want everyone to have their cameras on so we can see each other. Yeah. But... One of the things we've seen during Corona is that people might not want to show their home. Yeah. Because they don't have an office, because they don't, they think that private life and work life should not be mixed. Yeah. Um, and now I think most of the, the tools we use have, can make you put in a background. Yeah. But we didn't in the beginning. And some people also don't like to be on camera, don't like to see themselves. So having that discussion about, is this essential for us? So one team I worked with, for instance, they were like, when we have our dailies in the morning, everyone puts their camera on. Yeah. When we're working together during the day, it's fine not to have it on. Mm. Um, another one would be writing like, I'm going to lunch now, or I'm leaving the computer yeah. uh, to go get coffee, something so that you know there was no one at the other end. Mm. Um, where otherwise you might write something and it takes half an hour and you go like, okay, so they don't have the time to help me right now. Yeah. But small things like that. And I think, and we, we need to build that serendipity as well. We need to 
like maybe have coffee breaks together once in a while. Yeah. But it's also really hard. Like when when Corona was at its highest, I was like, I don't want to have a coffee break. I don't want to have another meeting in front of a screen. Yeah. While my brain logically knows that it's really good for me and having this social interaction and not just do work, work, work. Exactly. Um, I was just so tired of it. And I didn't want to do it. Um, so I think we need to be careful about this and we need to go in. And I mean, even before Corona, there were people working with these things. Um, there are the remote coaches in South Africa who've been working a lot remote even before Corona. Yeah. Who has a nice handbook. Um talking about what can we do in remote environments? How can we make this work? Hmm. Um, uh, what's his name? Kirby, uh, Kilby. Uh, I forgot his first name. Kilby wrote a book about also working remotely. So we do have resources, books, uh, people who've been doing this before who might be able to help us as well. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is about communication and becoming aware of how we react yeah. And then speaking up about it, I think. Yeah. That kind of leads me into the outro. I really want to thank you uh, for sharing that knowledge, right? Because I think knowledge makes you aware and that in turn mm -hmm. increases your accountability. Uh, and that yeah. leads you to kind of act with intent, right? Even if it's sending yeah. a message, saying something, the intent behind it can mean a lot. Uh, yeah. Or you can just reflect and ask feedback and see if it still lands the way you intended, right? Yeah. As long as you do it with the best intentions and, and learn from the things that you're doing, uh, I think it very naturally creates that safe environment around you, uh, or at least yeah, in and then situations. then also react if people say, "Oh, wait, that yeah. was not okay." Exactly. Uh, then then instead of saying, "But I meant well," you say, "Oh, I'm sorry about that." Can and maybe if you you say thank you for the feedback, and if you are still if you need to think about it, go away and come back later. But otherwise, just ask. You know. That's not what I meant. What I meant was this. Can yeah. you help me how I can get that message across without yeah. hurting you? So so again, being vulnerable and admitting that we made a mistake and not making like a non-apology, yeah. which is like, oh, I'm sorry that you felt bad. Exactly. Uh, I, I I'm hate sorry. those. I hate, yeah, because it's yeah. not a real apology. It's more like, yeah, I did the right thing and I'm sorry you feel bad about that. Whereas... Yeah. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Exactly. It's a, it's a totally different um, apology. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you again for coming on, Geta. I, uh, I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot, which I love. Thank you for having me. Um, no it was very enjoyable. Cool. Get the click card, everyone. Beyond Coding. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. <laughs>